0: Welcome back to my podcast uh, in EMA's eyes where we take a zoom in zoom out approach to the weekly Parsha and look for what we can glean. We're looking we're gleaning messages from the part weekly Parsha about how to become a better loving inner parent to ourselves and a better parent to our children. Um, welcome back to the journey and good morning. This week's Parsha bear sheet is um, starts with the seven days the account of creation. And gives us our first template for Shabbat. Um, we also see the pinnacle of creation, humankind, Adam and Eve, is created during this week's parsha. And the Torah uses um, two words to describe Hashem's creation of humans. Hashem says, "Let's make them in our image," zelim, which is zadi lamid mem, like, and that means something along the lines of like a photograph or an exact replica um, of Hashem. And then it also uses the word Demut, which is Delet uh, Mem Tav. Now, according to the Ram Kal, which which is one of my favorite rabbis, Moshe Chaim luzato uh, a prominent Italian Jewish rabbi and Kabbalist from the early 1700s. Did I mention he's Italian? <laughs> anyway, and did I mention he's one of my favorites? So <laughs> anyway, according to the Ram Kal, um, Demut is a... D- is a way to resemble Hashem both in character and behavior. So this is a different process than just taking a photo. This is more of the inner essence of Hashem and creation. And we note in this Parsha that the the process of demut is actually left unfinished by Hashem. And I believe, uh, according again, according to the Call that's intentional because our life journey or soul curriculum in this body is to Partner with Hashem and learn to be more like um, Him in all of our ways, um, like being more loving, loving and kind and patient. So um, when we see in this parsha uh, again, it just as just as my quick summary, uh, we see a lot of relationships in this parsha between Adam and Hashem, Adam and Eve, Eve and the serpent, um, Cain and Abel, and then of course Seth, and then we get a long genealogy of um, people, relationships between Adam and then Noah, which Noah, 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 who begins our next Parsha next week. So, if um, would you like to hear my inspired thoughts based on this week's Parsha about my parenting journey? Okay, well, my first inspired thought was um, the questions, the questions that Hash- Hashem asks. I wanted to zoom in on the questions. We see three instances in this week's Parsha where Hashem asks questions. He does a lot of speaking in the beginning of the parsha, um, to create the the world. You know, he said, "Let there be light." There was light, and he called it good. And I could do a whole uh, twenty minute segment about using our words to call to name things, um, but I'll save that for another time. Um, but the three instances where he asks questions are really important, or like really inspired my parenting journey this week. So uh, the questions he asks in Genesis three nine he asks. Adam and Eve, where are you? Notice that he doesn't come at them and say, oh my gosh, what have you done? He's more like, where are you? Makara, what happened? You know, um, Genesis 3.11, he asked them, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat the tree, you know, the fruit of the tree of the, that I, you know, that he forbade them to eat. So, um, this, did you eat the fruit, this question here, that one is a little <laughs> slippery slope for me. I have found in my parenting experience that if I come to my children asking them a question that they have basically two options. They can lie or they can completely confess. They most generally will lie. And I don't really like to be lied to, so I avoid questions like, did you eat the last cookie? Did you, you know, whatever. Did you just hit your brother? No, no. Um, if they do confess, they often generally confess with an excuse because, again, that direct questioning is pointing at their shame. They're hiding something from me, especially if they've started to develop a conscience. They con- they know that what they did was wrong, so asking them, did you do it, is a great way to inspire them to lie. So try to avoid inspiring my children to lie to me because I don't like it. <laughs> um, okay, then the next question and, oh, sorry, God forbid am I criticizing Hashem's parenting. I'm just saying that we also see this pattern in the Torah that when God asks a question pointed at someone's shame and hiddenness, he gets lied to as well, mean, um, he gets excuses. Adam blames Eve, Eve blames the ser- serpent, and they get cast out of the garden. So, Genesis 4-9, we also see... at um, God trying a different approach with Cain he says wait a minute where's your brother instead of did you kill your brother which he could have asked I think he already knew that Cain was that Cain had killed Abel so instead of saying did you just murder your brother to which Cain would have said no um, or made an excuse uh, he says where is he and then he gets this kind of I mean we don't know what kind of tone, tone of voice Cain had it could have been sarcastic like what do you mean where's my brother how should I know am my br- my brother's keeper you know, I I always hear this sassy, salty tone of voice when I read that part of the Parsha. So, again, he's trying a different approach. Where's your brother? He's trying to get more information about what happened and get Cain talking so that they can um, start to work through what happened. Now, the sages are a little split about whether or not Cain knew that he murdered Abel. Um, no one had ever died before, so perhaps Cain didn't understand that Abel fell asleep and was never going to wake up. Um, and so perhaps that's why God's approach was different, because it was a new thing, and he needed to find a way to talk to um, talk to him differently about it. So, uh, but what we learn from this situation... So the main point here is to guard the way that I ask questions. Am I inspiring communication, or am I inspiring dishonesty? Um, but... And what is the point of the communication? If I already know that someone did... That one of my children did something... There really isn't a point in asking... I had to learn this the hard way... That if I come... If I act like the cop in my house... That I'm catching you doing something... What I'm going to get is... In response to that is a relationship with my kids... Where they feel like the criminal... And so they act like the criminal... And they try to get away with stuff... But if I come at the relationship a little more like... um, Hey we're all on this you know we're all on the same team here what tell me what happens so that we can work through it that's a completely different approach and it it usually gets me a different result which is more relational so that's my first takeaway from the parsha my second take, a big takeaway is about boundaries um, in genesis i will, first of all boundaries equals love and in genesis we see that hashem's basically like listen i have this whole garden you can have anything you want here He's being completely generous with the, with Adam and Eve, right? Except he has one boundary. You can't eat the fruit of this particular tree. And he tells them why. You can't eat it because if you do, you'll die. And so he doesn't want them today. He wants them to live forever with him in this relationship, in this garden. So we see here that there's a, a clear line of communication between Adam and Hashem. Hashem says, if you eat it, you will die. Well, then Hashem makes a wife for Adam, because I think that in some ways Hashem can tell that the relationship between Adam and Hashem isn't the only thing that Adam needs. Adam also needs a partner, uh, like a physical partner. So, um, and that that's, you know, that's something that we need to consider with our, in our, that I need to consider in my own parenting journey too. My relationship with Hashem is important, but it is also equally like triangularly important as my relationships with each of the individual people in my community. Um, like, like I said, a triangle where we have, we each have a relationship with Hashem, but we also have a relationship with each other. So, um, interestingly enough, Hashem makes the wife for Adam. And then somehow by the time Eve tells the serpent, what God said, she has changed it to, we can't even touch the tree. Now, where did she get that information? <laughs> the sages say that where she got that information was that Adam created a fence around the Torah commandment not to eat of the tree, and he did that to protect Eve from, like maybe if she doesn't even just like let's just not touch the tree, then we won't be tempted to eat from it. Okay, but he what he they say that he failed to communicate was that it was a fence. So, she, so by this failure to communicate the difference between the commandment and the fence around the commandment. Was that he caused basically left a room room for Eve to doubt God's words, and that's how she ended up falling into sin. So I don't don't inherently have a problem with fences. I think they're super important. Um, for example, if my three year old is you know toddling around the edge of a swimming pool and doesn't know how to swim yet, I might say, "Don't stand so close to the pool. I don't want you to fall in." Right? That's the actual instruction I'm giving, the Torah commandment, if you will. The instruction is don't fall in the water, you'll get hurt. Right, But then I'm putting a fence around the pool, around the commandment not to fall in by saying, I don't want you to stand so close to the edge. I want you to back up. And I would move the child back away from the edge of the pool and say, this is as far as you can go and create that fence you know, maybe to the sidewalk or to the grass or whatever, so that I don't have to worry about them accidentally falling in um, because that would cause them to, he or she, to be hurt. So it's possible that Adam created a fence like that, but the important thing that we can learn from this situation as, as parents is that we need to communicate clearly which is the commandment. I don't want you to be in the pool. I don't want you to eat the fruit. And which is the fence? And I'm having you stand back so that you don't fall in on accident so that you don't get tempted to eat the fruit. Um, Fences are most important for people who lack self-control. So certain age groups of children are struggling with self-control. I'm not going to limit it just to toddlers because I think teenagers struggle with self-control too. I hear a lot of parents complaining that their kids can't get off their phones at night and get enough sleep. And I personally don't think that children have the amount of self-control that is needed to shut the phone off and go to bed until they're at least in their mid twenties, and so I am a strong advocate for keeping the screens out of the bedrooms so that there's a peaceful environment to sleep at night. But you can disagree with me. That's okay. I'd love to hear your comments about that um, in the show, in the comments below in this podcast. But that's another example of just is this is it, and everybody knows their own children. Is this child able to have the self control needed? To follow the instruction, the instruction isn't you can't have your screens in your room. The instruction is you need to get a proper amount of sleep at night. So, um, but again, the the point is that are we helping artic- Are we articulating to our children? Am I articulating to my children the difference between the actual instruction, what's the main idea here, and the fences that are around that instruction that are help- there to help protect the child from accidentally. Um, crossing that boundary or falling into some sort of temptation. So, um, okay, that's it. Those are my two main takeaways. Um, so I will leave you with some questions to consider and to chew on. Um, here's my parenting touch point questions. First of all, is a story literal? Or it could be, or it could be godic like a folktale, and an attempt to just explain how humans became different from animals. Uh, What questions can I ask my inner child or my physical or spiritual children when they are acting out that would open the door for connection and correction rather than accusation and artifice? Many times people just want to be heard too. Is there a way that I can allow my children to just tell the story without feeling that they need to make excuses or cover up their shame in any way just to tell me what happened Makara? How can I open that door for honest communication? How can I partner with Hashem as a loving parent in resembling his character? What is the difference between B'Tselem Elohim and Bedemut Elohim? What are the similarities? Who is ultimately responsible for my growth? Who is responsible for my children's growth? Who is responsible for our spiritual journeys? And in what ways can I be a better partner? On Those spiritual journeys. Am I being as clear as I can be about my instructions and expectations, or am I adding fences without explanation and leaving a door open for doubt in Hashem's words or in my own words? So I'll leave you with that. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to study more with me, you are welcome to join my parenting support group on Facebook, um, or you're welcome to, to in, in join any of one of my classes. I have a, a new class called Parsha with Catalyst. Um, the class is ideally for folks who have already learned to decode biblical Hebrew and want an opportunity to strengthen their reading and work toward mastery and fluency, but it is open to beginners as well. Um, also, last thing, absolute last thing, I have a special offer for my listeners. If you've made it this far in this episode so far, I... Um, Just wanted to know if you remember that Dear Abby column that used to be in the newspaper. I don't read the newspaper anymore, but um, I used to love that column. And I really want to do something similar to that on this podcast. So do you have any burning parenting questions or Torah questions that you would like answered? I would be happy and honored actually to dig into the Torah and try to find us both some answers. So you're invited to head over to my website, SashaClark.com and subscribe to my email list. From there, you can reply to any one of the emails that I send you, and I send emails less than once a week. It's sometimes once a week, but often less than that. Um, but you can reply to those emails and submit a question, and if your question is selected to be aired on an um, on an episode, then I will give you a special discount on any one of my current offers. Um, again, my website is listed below in the show, ne- show notes. Until next week, shalom. May Hashem bless your home with peace and your heart with love. Shalom.